Chapter fourteen of the Wanderer or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter fourteen. Lady Aurora, being now perfectly well, and the period of her visit at Brighthelmstone nearly expired, Mrs. Howell could not dispense with repeating her dinner invitation to Mrs. Maple, and three days previously to the return of Lady Aurora to her uncle, it was accepted. The whole Lewes party felt the most eager curiosity to see Ellis in her new dwelling, but not trifling was the effort required by Mrs. Maple to preserve any self-command when she witnessed the high style in which that young person was treated throughout the house. Harleigh hastened to make his compliments to her, with an air of pleasure that spoke sympathizing congratulation. Elinor was all eye, all scrutiny, but all silence. Ireton assumed, perforce, a tone of respect, and Selina, with such an example as Lady Aurora for her support, flew to embrace her protégé, and to relate, amongst sundry other little histories, that Mr. Harleigh had been going back to town, only Aunt Maple had begged him to stay, till something could be brought about with regard to his brother Dennis, who was grown quite affronted at Sister Eleanor's long delays. Mrs. Maple, almost the whole dinner-time, had the mortification to hear, echoing from the sister to the brother, and re-echoed from Mrs. Howell, the praises of Miss Ellis. How delightfully the retirement of Lady Aurora had passed in her society, the sweetness of her disposition, the variety of her powers, and her amiable activity in seeking to make them useful. Not daring to dissent, Mrs. Maple, with forced smiles, gave a tacit concurrence, while the bright glow that animated the complexion, and every feature, of Harleigh, spoke that unequivocal approbation which comes warm from the heart. Elinor, whose eyes constantly followed his, seemed sick during the whole repast, of which she scarcely at all partook. If Ellis offered to serve her, or inquired after her health, she darted at her an eye so piercing that Ellis, shrinking and alarmed, determined to address her no more, though again, when any opportunity presented itself for showing some attention, the resolution was involuntarily set aside, but always with equal ill-success, every attempt to soften, exciting looks the most terrific. Lady Aurora surprised one of these glances, and saw its chilling effect. Astonished, at once, and grieved, she felt an impulse to rise, and to protect from such another shock her new and tenderly admired favourite. She now easily conceived why kindness was so touching to her, yet how any angry sensation could find its way in the breast of Miss Jodrell, or of any human being, against such sweetness and such excellence, her gentle mind, free from every feeling of envy, jealousy, or wrath, could form no conjecture. She sighed to withdraw her from a house where her merits were so ill-appreciated, and could hardly persuade herself to speak to any one else at the table, from the eagerness with which she desired to dispel the gloom produced by Eleanor's cloudy brow. The looks of Eleanor had struck Mrs. Howell also, 
but not with similar compassion for their object, it was with alarm for herself. A sudden, though vague idea, seized her to the disadvantage of Ellis. With all her accomplishments, all her elegance, was she at last but a dependent? Might she be smiled or frowned upon at will? And had she herself admitted into her house, upon equal terms, a person of such a description? Doubt soon gives birth to suspicion, and suspicion is the mother of surmise. It was now strange that she should have been told nothing of the family and condition of Miss Ellis. There must be some reason for silence, and the reason could not be a good one. Yet was it possible that Mrs. Maple could have been negligent upon such a subject? Mrs. Maple, who, far from being dangerously facile in forming any connection, was proud, was even censorious about every person that she knew or saw. Mrs. Howell now examined the behaviour of Mrs. Maple herself to Alice, and this scrutiny soon showed her its entire constraint, the distance which she observed when not forced to notice her, the unwilling civility where any attention was indispensable. Something must certainly be wrong, and she determined, in the course of the evening, to find an opportunity for minutely, nay rigorously, questioning Mrs. Maple. Ellis, meanwhile, fearing no one but Elinor, and watching no one but Lady Aurora, found sufficient occupation in the alternate panic and consolation thus occasioned. Or if any chasm occurred, Lord Melbury with warm assiduities, and Harleigh with delicate attentions, were always at hand to fill it up. When, early in the evening, that the horses might rest, the carriage of Mrs. Maple arrived, the groom sent in a letter, which, he said, had just been brought to lose, according to order, by a messenger from the Brighthelmstone post-office. Ellis precipitately arose, but Mrs. Maple held out her hand to take it, though, upon perceiving the direction, for L.S. to be left at the post-office at Brighthelmstone till called for. Fearing that Mrs. Howell, who sat next to her, should perceive it also, she hastily said, it is not for me, let the man take it back again. And, turning the seal upwards, re-delivered it to the servant, anxious to avoid exhibiting an address which might lead to a discovery that she now deemed personally ignominious. Ellis, at this order, reseated herself, not daring to make a public claim, but resolving to follow the footman out, and to desire to look at the direction of the letter. Elinor, however, stopping him, took it herself, and, after a slight glance, threw it upon a table, saying, Leave it, for who will to own it? Ellis, changing colour, again arose, and would have seized it for examination, had not Ireton, who was nearer to the table, taken it up and read aloud, For L.S. Again Ellis dropped upon her chair, distressed and perplexed, between eagerness to receive her letter, and shame and fear at acknowledging so mysterious a direction. Her dread of the consequence of disobeying Mrs. Maple had made her, hitherto, defer relating her situation with regard to that lady, and she had always flattered herself that the longer it was postponed, the greater would be her chance of inspiring such an interest as might cause an indulgent hearing. Harleigh now took the letter himself, 
and, calmly saying that he would see it safely delivered, put it into his pocket. Ellis, thus relieved from making an abrupt and unseasonable avowal, yet sure that her letter was in honourable custody, with difficulty refrained from thanking him. Lord Melbury and Mrs. Howell thought there was something odd and unintelligible in the business, but forbore any inquiry. Lady Aurora, observing distress in her amiable Miss Ellis, felt it herself, but revived with her revival, and the rest of the company, though better informed, were compulsatorily silenced by the frowns of Mrs. Maple. Harleigh then, asking for a pen and some ink to write a letter, left the room. Ellis, tortured with impatience, and hoping to meet with him, soon followed. She was not mistaken. He had seated himself to write in an ante-room, which she must necessarily cross if she mounted to her chamber. He softly arose, put the letter into her hand, bowed, and returned to his chair without speaking. She felt his delicacy as strongly as his kindness, but, breathless with eagerness, observed the silence of which he set the example, and, thanking him only by her looks, flew up the stairs. She was long absent, and, when she descended, it was with steps so slow, and with an air so altered, that Harleigh, who was still writing in the room through which she had to pass, saw instantly that her letter had brought disappointment and sorrow. He had not now the same self-command as while he had hoped and thought that she was prosperous. He approached her, and, with a face of deep concern, inquired if there were anything, of any sort, in which he could have the happiness to be of use to her. He stopped, but she felt his right to a curiosity which he did not avow, and immediately answered, "'My letter brings me no consolation. On the contrary, it tells me that I must depend wholly upon myself, and expect no kind of aid, nor even any intelligence again, perhaps for a considerable time.' "'Is that possible?' cried he. "'Does no one follow, or is no one to meet you?' Is there no one whose duty it is to guard and protect you, to draw you from a situation thus precarious, thus unfitting, and to which I am convinced you are wholly unaccustomed? "'It is fatally true, at this moment,' answered Ellis, with a sigh, "'that no one can follow or support me. Yet I am not deserted. I am simply unfortunate. Neither can any one here meet me. The few to whom I have any right to apply know not of my arrival.' and must not know it. How I am to exist till I dare make some claim, I cannot yet devise. But, indeed, had it not been under this kind, protecting roof that I have received such a letter, I think I must have sunk from my own dismay. But Lady Aurora— Her voice failed, and she stopped. Lady Aurora, cried Harleigh, is an angel. Her quick appreciation of your worth shows her understanding to be as good as her soul is pure. I can wish you no better protection. But pardon me if I venture again to repeat my surprise. I had almost said my indignation, that those to whom you belong can deem it right, safe, or decent, to commit you, young as you are, full of attractions, and evidently unused to struggle against the dangers of the world, and the hardships of life, to commit you to strangers, to chance. I know not how, 
she cried, to leave you under so false an impression of those to whom I belong. They are not to blame. They are more unhappy than I am myself at my loneliness and its mystery, and for my poverty and my difficulties they are far, far from suspecting them. They are ignorant of my loss at Dover, and they cannot suppose that I have missed the friends whom I came over to join. "'Honour me,' cried he, "'with a commission, and I will engage to discover at least whether that friend be yet at Brighthelmstone.' "'And without naming, for whom you seek her?' cried Ellis, her eyes brightening with sudden hope. "'Naming?' repeated he, with an arch smile. She blushed, deeply, in recollecting herself, but, seized with a sudden dread of Elinor, drew back from her inadvertent acceptance, and, though warmly thanking him, declined his services, adding that, by waiting at Brighthelmstone, she must, ultimately, meet her friend, since all her letters and directions were for that spot. Harleigh was palpably disappointed, and Ellis, hurt herself, opened her letter to lessen, she told him, his wonder, perhaps censure, of her secrecy, by reading to him its injunction. This was the sentence. Seek, then, unnamed and unknown, during this dread interval of separation, to reside with some worthy and happy family, whose social felicity may bring, at least, reflected happiness to your own breast. That family, she added, I flatter myself I have found here, for this house, from the uniform politeness of Mrs. Howell, the ingenuous goodness of Lord Melbury, and the angelic sweetness of his sister, has been to me an earthly paradise. She then proceeded, without waiting to receive his thanks for this communication, which he seemed hardly to know how to offer, from the fullness of his thoughts, his varying conjectures, his conviction that her friends, like herself, were educated, feeling, and elegant, and his increased wonder at the whole of her position. "'Charming, charming creature!' he cried. "'What can have cast thee into this forlorn condition? And by what means, and by whom, art thou to be rescued?' Not choosing immediately to follow, he seated himself again to his pen. Somewhat recovered by this conversation, Ellis now was able to command an air of tolerable composure for re-entering the drawing-room, where she resolved to seek Elinor at once, and endeavour to deprecate her displeasure, by openly repeating to her all that she had entrusted to Mr. Harleigh. As she approached the door, every voice seemed employed in eager talk, and, as she opened it, she observed earnest separate parties formed round the room, but the moment that she appeared, every one broke off abruptly from what he or she was saying and a completely dead silence ensued. Surprised by so sudden a pause, she seated herself on the first chair that was vacant, while she looked around her, to see whom she could most readily join. Mrs. Howell and Mrs. Maple had been, evidently, in the closest discourse, but now both fixed their eyes upon the ground, as if agreeing, at once, to say no more. Ireton was chatting, with lively volubility, to Lord Melbury, who attended to him with an air that seemed scared rather than curious, but neither of them now added another word. Elinor stood sullenly alone, leaning against the chimney-piece, with her eyes fastened upon the door, as if watching for its opening, 
but not all the previous resolution of Ellis could inspire courage sufficient to address her, after viewing the increased sternness of her countenance. Selina was prattling busily to Lady Aurora, and Lady Aurora, who sat nearly behind her, and whom Ellis perceived at last, was listening in silence, and bathed in tears. Terror and affliction seized upon Ellis at this sight. Her first impulse was to fly to Lady Aurora, but she felt discouraged, and even awed, by the strangeness of the general taciturnity, occasioned by her appearance. Her eyes next, anxiously, sought those of Lord Melbury, and instantly met them, but with a look of gravity so unusual, that her own were hastily withdrawn, and fixed, disappointed, upon the ground. Nor did he, as hitherto had been his constant custom, when he saw her disengaged, come to sit by her side. No one spoke, no one seemed to know how to begin a general or common conversation. No one could find a word to say. "'What,' cried she to herself, "'can have happened? What can have been said or done in this short absence to make my sight thus petrifying? Have they told what they know of my circumstances, and has that been sufficient to deprive me of all consideration, to require even avoidance? And is Lord Milbury thus easily changed? And have I lost you, even you, Lady Aurora?' This last thought drew from her so deep a sigh, that, in the general silence which prevailed, it reached every ear. Lady Aurora started, and looked up, and, at the view of her evident dejection, hastily arose, and was crossing the room to join her, when Mrs. Howell, rising too, came between them, and taking herself the hand which Lady Aurora had extended for that of Ellis, led her ladyship to a seat on a sofa where, in the lowest voice, she apparently addressed to her some remonstrance. Ellis, who had risen to meet the evident approach of Lady Aurora, now stood suspended, and with an air so embarrassed, so perturbed, that Lord Mulberry, touched by irresistible compassion, came forward, and would have handed her to a chair near the fire, but her heart, after so sudden an appearance of general estrangement, was too full for this mark of instinctive, not intentional kindness, and curtseying the thanks which she could not utter, she precipitately left the room. She met Harleigh preparing to enter it, but passed him with too quick a motion to be stopped, and hurried to her chamber. There her disturbance, as potent from positive distress, as it was poignant from mental disappointment, would nearly have amounted to despair, but for the visibly intended support of Lady Aurora, and for the view of that kind hand, which, though Mrs. Howell had impeded her receiving, she could not prevent her having seen stretched out for her comfort. The attention, too, of Lord Melbury, though its tardiness ill-accorded with his hitherto warm demonstrations of respect and kindness, showed that those feelings were not alienated, however they might be shaken. These two ideas were all that now sustained her, till, in about an hour, she was followed by Selina, who came to express her concern, and to relate what had passed. Ellis then heard that the moment that she had left the room, Mrs. Howell, almost categorically, though with many formal apologies, demanded some information of Mrs. Maple, what account should be given to Lord Denmeath of the family and condition in life, of the young lady, introduced by Mrs. Maple, 
into the society of Lady Aurora Granville, as her ladyship proposed intimately keeping up the acquaintance. Mrs. Maple had appeared to be thunderstruck, and tried every species of equivocation, but Mr. Ireton whispered something to Lord Melbury, upon which a general curiosity was raised, and Mr. Ireton's laugh kept up the inquiry, till bit by bit, continued Selina, all came out, and you never saw such a fuss in your life. But when Mrs. Howell found that Aunt Maple did not take you in charge from your friends, because she did not know them, and when Mr. Ireton told of your patches and black skin and ragged dress, Mrs. Howell stared so at poor Aunt, that I believed she thought that she had been out of her senses. And then poor Lady Aurora fell a-crying, because Mrs. Howell said that she must break off the connection. But Lady Aurora said that you might be just as good as ever, and only disguised to make your escape. But Mrs. Howell said that, now you were got over, if there were not something bad, you would speak out. So then poor Lady Aurora cried again, and beckoned to me to come and tell her more particulars. Sister Eleanor, all the time, never spoke one word, and this is what we were all doing when you came in. Ellis, who, with pale cheeks, but without comment, had listened to this recital, now faintly inquired what had passed after she had retired. Why, just then, in came Mr. Harley, and Aunt Maple gave him a hundred reproaches for beginning all the mischief, by his obstinacy in bringing you into the boat, against the will of every creature, except just the old admiral, who knew nothing of the world, and could judge no better. He looked quite thunderstruck, not knowing a word of what had passed. However, he soon enough saw that all was found out, for Mrs. Howell said, I hope, sir, you will advise us how to get rid of this person, without letting the servants know the indiscretion that we have been drawn into, by treating her like one of ourselves. Well, and Mr. Harley's answer, cried the trembling Ellis. Miss Jodrell, ma'am, he said, knows as well as myself all the circumstances which have softened this mystery, and rendered this young lady interesting in its defiance. She has generously, therefore, held out her protection, of which the young lady has shown herself to be worthy, upon every occasion since we have known her, by rectitude and dignity. Yet she is, at this time, without friends, support, or asylum. In such a situation, thus young and helpless, and thus irreproachably conducting herself, who is the female? What is her age, what her rank, that ought not to assist and try to preserve so distressed a young person from evil? Lady Aurora upon this came forward and said, How happy you make me, Mr. Harley, by thus reconciling me to my wishes. And then she told Mrs. Howell that, as the affair no longer appeared to be so desperate, she hoped that there could be no objection to her coming upstairs, to invite you down herself, but Mrs. Howell would not consent. Sweet, sweet Lady Aurora, broke forth from Ellis, and Lord Melbury, what said he? Nothing for he and Mr. Ireton left the room together to go on with their whispers, I believe, and Eleanor was just like a person dumb, but Lady Aurora and Mr. Harley had a great deal of talk with one another, and they both seemed so pleased that I could not help thinking how droll it would be if their agreeing so about you should make them marry one another. Then indeed would two beings meet, said Ellis, who would render that state all that can be perfect upon earth. For with active benevolence like his, with purity and sweetness like hers, what could be wanting? And then, indeed, I might find an asylum. A servant came, now, to inform Selina that the carriage was at the door, and that Mrs. Maple was in haste. 
What a change did this day produce for Ellis! What a blight to her hopes! What difficulties for her conduct! What agitation for her spirits! End of chapter 14 Recording by Roxana Nazari